Welcome to Atmospheric Tales, a podcast that amplifies stories and experiences related to air pollution and climate change from around the world. I'm your host Shahzad Ghani and welcome to another episode of Atmospheric Tales. Our interview for this episode is Milena Ponchek. She is an atmospheric scientist working on the interaction of volatile organic compounds with atmospheric aerosols and air quality. She holds a degree in chemical engineering from the State University of Campinas, Brazil, where her research work was focused on the degradation of volatile organic compounds by photocatalysis. She got her PhD in chemistry at the University of Lyon, France. She is currently a postdoctoral researcher at the Laboratory of Atmospheric Physics at the University of Sao Paulo, working to better understand and characterize aerosol life cycle in the Amazon region. Our guest today is an atmospheric chemist with a focus on greenhouse gases, trace gas analysis, atmospheric interactions, and volatile organic compounds. Her research is focused on understanding the role of Amazonia in the greenhouse gases balance and the effect of climate variables on those balances. From 1998 until 2015, she was a researcher at the Brazilian Nuclear and Energy Research Institute. Since 2015, she coordinates the Greenhouse Gas Laboratory at the National Institute for Space Research in Brazil, NP. She also coordinates international collaborative projects with NOAA, University of Colorado, University of Leeds, among others. In 2014, she led the most comprehensive carbon balance calculation study ever carried out in Brazil. She and her co-authors published this work in a paper titled Drought Sensitivity of Amazonian Carbon Balance, which made the cover of the prestigious scientific magazine Nature and got wide media coverage. I am excited to welcome our guest, Dr. Luciana Wanigati. Welcome to the show, Milena and Luciana. Thank you very much, Dr. Luciana, for your participation today at the Atmospheric Tales podcast. It's a pleasure. So, Dr. Luciana, I'd like to start with your career motivations. You have a degree in chemistry and master's in analytical chemistry. What motivated you to study chemistry and how did you become interested in atmospheric sciences? First, when I was studying to university, I found the Krebs cycle, I found it so amazing. And then I saw that this is being biochemistry. But uh, during the university, then I know environmental chemistry, and I feel that this was I would like to study in the life. And this is understand the nature is the motivation. Oh, that's so interesting. How do you think atmospheric sciences can help us understanding nature? To understand the nature, we have so many areas. I feel the nature is like a domino. Everything is so linked, so complex. And we can understand the first domino, second, maybe third, but everything we done go in sequence, interfering in everything. And then I start in atmospheric because my PhD starting atmospheric science and I was very strongly motivated with greenhouse gas. And I start with volatile organic compounds, other pollutions, but when and I started to work with greenhouse gas. It was my passion. You have done really interesting research work on the Amazon region. 
Can you tell us more uh, about the importance of the Amazon to the planet? Amazon is more than 50% of the tropical forest in the world. When you see how much it represents for the world, you know, the function of forest. When you see we are in tropical area, we never have the winter, you know, never stop the system. The system is like a pump, it's a hard pump, you know, breezing all the time. Then it's a very important system indoors. And then, of course, everything that uh, change Amazon will interfere in the other system. Atmosphere is, is no walls in atmosphere. Everything is completely linked. When you think in atmosphere, is no country, is no limitation. Everything is connected, and it's amazing area for we studying. And how about the importance and the whole of the Amazon forest in the climate regulation of South America and to the whole world? Yeah, th this is a really very important question. And uh, in the last 30 years, and the more, more intensively in the last 20 years, a very big effort of scientists in, to try and understand what your Amazon represents for the world. Usually people think in Amazon like a carbon storage amount. That is really a huge amount. And uh, if we deforest Amazon, it will be a huge amount of CO2 in atmosphere. But uh, I think it's not only this, and maybe this is not the most important point. But uh, the, the whole in the climate regulation, I think is a very key issue. By now in Amazon, in our study, we are observing that the areas that have more deforestation show more changes in climate than preserved areas. And they say to us that the deforestation is a much bigger threat in Amazon than climate change. To try to define this limit, what is strongest influencing Amazon? Climate change or deforestation? And uh, with the results that we just get from nine years carbon balance study in Amazon, where we study temperature, precipitation, enhanced in Evergreen Index, grace that show the drought in the soil, the amount of water in soil then represented the water disponibility. We study many, many climate points to try understand what is influencing the, the carbon balance. And first, when we start, we have 20 years vertical profiles at northeast part of Amazon. We run vertical profiles above one national forest, Tapajós. And uh, we observe a very big variation year by year. And the month by month, one year the wet season is one way, another year the wet season show another way. And then it started to come the question, what's play difference from one year to other years? And this was the motivation to study all these climate parameters to try and understand what play an important difference in carbon balance in Amazon.
So you said that deforestation is one of the main threats that the Amazon forest is facing. What can you tell us uh, about the impacts of the deforestation for the people that live there? So commonly, we think that the Amazon is an inhabited region, but actually there are more than 15 million people live, living there. What are the threats for these people? And also, how about the global impacts of the destruction or even in a lower scale, the reduction of the native vegetation cover in the, this region? Yeah, there is a huge changes in many, many senses. Like I said before, everything is linked. Everything is very complex. And then, for example, the people deforested to make some economic activity. From the agrobusiness, 89% of the activities are meat production, is a beef production, you know, it's a cow. We have an amazing increase in cow production in, in Amazon, you know, this is the majority. We have also agricultural, but the biggest economic activity there is producing beef. But another activity that is very damaging is the mines, you know. Mining, it's a kind of activity, terrible, because first, the damaging ambient is horrible. They polluted the rivers, they open many holes, and all these particles go to rivers, and they use mercury. Mercury is a kind of contamination that you go to your brain, and uh, you can't remove. And these go for the all food. If you go to the river, go to the fish. The local people eat the fishes and then they go contaminated, they work there. This is the first horrible influence. And the other is the violence. Usually these places are very dangerous because the people have guns and they kill between other, have a violence, prostitution. It's a terrible activity. I think this is the worst activity in Amazon. And of course, this interferes a lot in the local people. They invade Indian reserves and some people are converted to work to them. This is horrible because it just destroyed the culture of Indian people there. Then this is terrible. You put just money in your front and you don't think the reach of life in Amazon. Mining is definitely a very damaging activity that it's a main thread in Brazilian Amazon as we have very rich soil, but uh, it's a below the surface, right? And people, they have the impression that we need to destroy the forest to have access to this wealthness, even though we know that having the forest alive, it's an incredible richness. Exactly. I think this is the human value you have, because I think the biggest treasure Brazil has is the Amazon. This is amazing place, you know, full of life, play, a very important role in, in the life of all Brazilian people. It's our equilibrium in the climate, bring you water to our life that's so important for us regulate uh, temperature and that there is a full of life for human for animals a very rich biodiversity
when you talk with everybody outside of Brazil, ah, what do you remember from Brazil? It's Amazonia. It's our treasure. And then it's a very poor the person that destroy this treasure to make uh, some very low money, but uh, destroy so big importance in life. And this life in many ways interferes in our lives. Yes, that's very sad that we have this um, prioritization of uh, easy money towards our richness, that it's the forest. This year, Brazil is going through a major environmental crisis. So the Amazon and also the Pantanal, that are both biomes that are part of the humid tropical zone and are highly important for the planetary biodiversity, they are now extremely dry and ravaged uh, with uncontrolled fires. What was special about this year that led to the loss of control of these fires? And what are the consequences of this uh, record devastation from an atmospheric and climate point of view? First, it's very important to we study the past to understand what we are looking now. We studied the last 40 years precipitation and temperature and also the deforestation. The deforestation was really very, very high until 2004. And then we have a very successful program to reduce deforestation, that to reduce 80-40% the reforestation from 2004 to 2012. It was amazing reduction. But uh, since 2012, it slowly started to grow again. And uh, when you look at what's happened with precipitation and temperature, we can link the changes in precipitation and temperature with deforestation. The areas with uh, the biggest deforestation, much higher is the changes in precipitation and temperature. By now, in the entire Amazon, we see changes in dry season. The dry season, first people observe that dry season is longer than before. Yes, it's longer. In our study, we observe that it is also more dry. We are losing water. We are losing precipitation during dry season almost in the same amount than the region is the forest. For example, northeast, we have one site when we make the study using vertical profiles from aircraft. The influence of the region is really very big. The influence of the region of the name is Santaren, the sun is 700,000 square meter. And in this region, 37% is the forest. And the amount of precipitation that was reduced during dry season is 35%. Then imagine during dry season, the dry season is longer, you have 35 less precipitation and we also have increasing temperature. The temperature there is higher during dry season, 2.1 degrees. And then imagine a dry season longer, drier, and the hotter. For one ecosystem like a tropical humid forest, this is a very hard for the trees. And include the, the trees that is not the forest that have a big damage during this area. The photosynthesis can be reduced, but the respiration continue the same. We have an increasing mortality. We have more decomposition. The areas that are more deforested 
start to be a source of carbon. I'm not talking only about fire only, because a fire is the strongest carbon emission from atmosphere. But we see the changes in climate is mainly now during dry season. But uh, also the wet season are delayed. And then when it starts to come a big amount of rain, then imagine this water come from atmosphere for the other parts of the country. We have uh, below Amazon the biggest agrobusiness, you know, and the, the, the biggest part of population. Then imagine all these people have each year less precipitation during this dry season. There is our winter here. And the hotter temperature. This is, of course, make the vegetation more inflammable. And this is what we are looking now. In these last 30 years, we see these changes. The first decade is not so big change. The big change is in the last 30 years. And then we see clearly this process is happening. And of course, we are observing down here. And the Pantanal is down Amazon. And then how much more with the forest edge and the putty fire, worse you be our future. We are destroying our future. If we don't use the acknowledgement, we are constructing to understand all this process, our future will be very terrible. And I believe this process that Brazilians are promoted to itself, you know, is much worse than the global climate change. The deforestation are putting the climate change in Brazil much higher, much stronger. We needed to use the science to construct a better future for us. And this is what we definitely were not doing now. So last year and also this year, we are experiencing worldwide repercussion of these wildfires in the Brazilian Amazon region. And for instance, the hashtag Pray for Amazonia or Act for Amazonia were international trends and social networks such as Twitter. However, web activism is important. It's not enough. How can uh, uh, awareness be translated into action? And how can citizens from other regions in Brazil and also citizens from other countries, how can we contribute to the preservation of the Amazon rainforest? First, I, I would like to have one information that I talk about the changes in climate, precipitation, temperature. But I would like also to say that this region that is most deforested, we have regions deforested in Amazon that the amount of deforestation is 40%. And then imagine 40% less trees to evapotranspirate, to contribute with precipitation, a very stressful condition during dry season. This region is the southeast of Amazon, including not consider fire, they become a source of carbon each year higher. We observe in southeast Amazon an increase in source from forest. You know, we had 2010, a little uptake in this region, very strong deforested, that produce a huge amount of cows per year. 
And then we have a three wet years, but source. And then in the year four, finally, we have uptake again, but then become the drought 2015 and 16. And the amount of uh, release of carbon to atmosphere each year is higher. This can mean we are losing part of Amazon now. This is not future. This is happening now. Then first, we are now losing part of the Amazon. We need to very, very urgently make something to try make this process repairable. I think we need to first stop immediately deforestation, stop fire during dry season, if people need to use the fire in the agricultural, use until June, that is not so dry, is not dangerous, the fire will not be uncontrolled, and we need to reforest. We need to try make this process back and repair Amazon. They return to the equilibrium. They return, help us in control the climate change. We can put this back, and I think the way to put this back is first, is stop consuming products from Amazon. This is so clear. All the world criticizes Brazil because we are destroying Amazon, but continue sell products from Amazon. And the worst is the meat, the beef. Why people don't stop buy beef from Amazon? If they stop buying beef, the deforestation will stop because people produce beef there, because they have a market. They made money with this. If they don't have it for wholesale, they will stop this. They will abandon it the deforested areas, and the deforest can be repaired. This is the faster plan to save Amazon. Stop consuming wood that comes from Amazon. Stop buying minerals that come from Amazon. Everything in the back of the destruction is money. If the people stop making money, destroying Amazon, we can save Amazon. All the problem is economic. If the people don't have an evolution enough to understand the Amazon is a very key issue in the climate change. If it is, is not sensitive for these people, money is very sensitive. I think this is the best plan we can do to save Amazon. I hope uh, we can make people understanding that. That's why I, I asked this question, because we know that uh, people from other countries have their part of uh, responsibility on that. And we have to make this clear for everybody. Of course, you know, you say, ah, I want to save the nature, the Amazon, but you like uh, your house uh, with many wood uh, furniture, the house is made in by wood, and then where come from this wood? If you want to save the planet, you need to think again the way you live. It's so easy to criticize the others, but what do you do? I, for example, stop eating beef because this is the reason of all the forestation. I'm doing my part. And then I don't use too much energy. I just put ethanol in my car. You know, I don't use fossil fuel in my car. Ah, it's more expensive to use ethanol, but I'm contributing for the future. If each person thinks what they can do for the planet and they try changing her life. Of course, a sustainable planet. We need to live differently than we live in now. 
So talking about science in this issue, and especially the whole of science in Brazil made by Brazilian scientists, the National Institute for Space Research, INPE, the research institute you work at, plays a key role in monitoring deforestation in Brazil, not just in the Amazon, but in all biomes of the country. And the current government of President uh, Bolsonaro is not just neglecting the alert issued by INPE monitoring systems, but is also considering them as unrealistic and misleading. President Bolsonaro and his team has questioned the quality of INPE's work, an institute that is internationally recognized and has researchers that are references in their research areas worldwide, such as yourself. So can you tell us more about what this means for the research you do and what harms this anti-science posture can cause for Brazilian climate and atmospheric community? This is a key question. When we think we need to change the way we live, this can mean conserve more the environmental, stop using fossil fuel. This is the task for the global. And the negationism is exactly to defend who is the owner of a planet now. The people that make uh, fake theories that uh, we don't have anything with climate change, how can it be possible someone think that we change so strongly the nature and that it should be any consequence? We change rivers, we kill rivers. We polluted, you know, water, we remove forest, we produce desert. How can be so strong changes don't make any difference in the planet? Of course, this is, this is a joke. But uh, these people don't have a conscience that this will destroy the future of Brazil. But this government don't have a nice channel with the science. The science can help, can give enough acknowledgements to make nice decisions for future. But they don't listen to us. They put a big hole only in the fast economic interest. They don't think in future. And then to say, oh, the date of imp is not correct. Oh, they don't have uh, data good enough. Let us buy another satellite or buy images from another more with a higher resolution satellites. First, the problem is not the, the information from INPE. They don't fiscalize it. We have many, many, many alerts and nobody go there. They remove the money from the fiscalization. We reduced in the past 80-40% the deforestation. The problem is not the data. The problem is what this government decided to do. And this government decided to do money destroying Amazon. They don't think that is destruction. Ah, we can just reduce a little bit Amazon. But the problem is they don't know that reducing Amazonia, we will make changes in climate in Brazil that all agribusiness will lose a lot of prosperity we have now. We need to put science to help the decisions, you know, and uh, unfortunately, we don't have any communication with the actual government. We could help a lot, but uh, we are putting in, in a position like uh, enemies from the government. I think this is really sad what's happening. 
So you mentioned future and uh, long-term policies and uh, hoping that things were going to be better. Uh, what is your advice to other scientists and you know, to young uh, researchers how to do useful science in this context? You know, first, uh, I would like to say that uh, nature are very, very complex and everything is linked. We need to study clearly the changes that are happening in the nature. Talking about Amazon, Amazon is a so complex system and it's different. Amazon, in each part you go, northeast, southeast, northwest, southwest, is another Amazon. And then stop thinking that if you study just one part of Amazon, you will know the whole Amazon. You don't know. We can't just spread the results you have in one part of Amazon for the other parts. I think the problem starts with this impact, human impact, the deforestation. The east part are 30% deforested. The west part are just 10% deforested. And this makes a big difference in precipitation, in temperature. Then first, we need to look for nature like a very complex system, you know, make the system too simple. We make lots of mistakes in our conclusions. Don't be sad, you know, this is a hard time in the science in Brazil now, but I have a hope that this will pass and that we will return to have a more conscience, I have a more development in human values, putting the science, the education in first level to construct the future. The future are very challenging. You know, the planet are changing a lot. We will need science to survive in this earth that are changing so much. Yeah, that's really great that you have uh, high hopes. And I'm glad because we need motivated scientists as yourself. We need to have your hope, you know. <laughs> and yeah. construct the future is in our hands. It's not in other hands. Each person needs to think in yourself like one important person that can make a difference in the planet. Do the best what you can do. Like stop eating meat, you know, stop producing too much trash, make a better use of water, make a better use of our energy, don't use fossil fuel. In Brazil, this is easy for us. We have ethanol. Stop eating beef. No, <laughs> we can save the Amazon. Okay, so last but not least, uh, it's also a very important subject. Around the world in general, and in a very noticeable way in Brazil, we have very few women in senior and preeminent positions. For instance, I have attended several scientific events, such as FAPESP climate change meetings, annual meetings, where we had very few women as speakers, and I counted was less than 20%, and I was shocked about that. So how do you think we can change the scenario of gender inequality in Brazilian scientific community? And how can we encourage more girls and women to uh, study STEM, that it's a science, technology, and engineering subjects? Milena, this is a great question. And first, have you here talk with me? This brings hope for everybody. We have a very strong woman contribution in science, and we need to have a, 
a clear sense. You know, first, we need to be realistic. We have machism in, in the science in Brazil also. Of course, you can look at FAPESP, for example, in Sao Paulo, is the main foundation. And if we have a clear hole to make a balance between males and the females in the high-level positions, this can be resolved. But uh, during the time that you just uh, make, oh, let's get the best. But uh, who chose the best? The men's. And they choose another men's. And if we have a home, how to choose the persons and make this in everywhere, make an equilibrium, then we can resolve this. I'm participating in many international organisms where now this is a whole, for example. WMO is a World Meteorological Organization. I'm part of the Scientific Steering Committee of IGAS. Uh, now I'm part of another organism. And, and then SCPA also. All leaders of chapter are one woman and one man. You know, this other organism that I participate have the same. And, you know, it's not only men's and women's, but also distributed from countries, not just from Europe. U.S. and then, you know, Japan, China, but uh, we need to be inclusive, to be equality, because we have many realities, and uh, to bring, uh, to represent uh, all these women's, men's, people from South America, Africa, you know, India, and, uh, you know, this is bringing richness. This is, yeah. will bring the successful for all decisions. I think we need to look the reality, because this is really the reality, and uh, make decisions to change this. I think this is the step we didn't make now. I suggested this for one research manager in FAPESP to make this whole. I don't know if they will put this regulation, but I suggested. Oh, that's really great. Wow. I'm happy to hear that. And have you noticed any improvements in this uh, scenario since you started your career? We have great women in science in Brazil. Thelma Krug is, is a Brazilian colleague and she's a vice chair of IPCC. We have many, many women in science in the climate change science make a great work. And I think this SCPA, the science panel of Amazon, that have equilibrium between women and men. Many women scientists will have more space. And this will help a lot. We need to have a hope and then follow our dreams. If you like to do science, put your best. You do a great job, you know. You can make a great work and then this will appear. It was a pleasure talking to you, Dr. Luciana. I hope we can see those improvements very soon, both in the degradation and the deforestation scenario in the Amazon and also in the gender equality scenario. And for sure, having scientists like yourself, it's essential for this hoping scenario. Milena, and I would like to say that it was a big pleasure talk with you and for everybody that will listen this very nice talk. And I would like to say to you that you is part of this, this whole, this future, you know? Go ahead, and I'm sure you make a big difference in our future. It was a pleasure to meet you. 
With that, I would like to thank our guest, Dr. Luciana Wanigati, and our interviewer, Dr. Milena Ponchek, for joining us on this episode of Atmospheric Tales. Please reach out to us if you would like to suggest episode topics, guests, or be an interviewer on one of our episodes. Our contact information can be found on our website, atmosphericktales.com. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and share.